You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, part of the SB Nation family of NFL podcasts. I am Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran. John, uh, big show tonight. We've got a special guest we're going to get to in a minute. We've got some announcements at the end of the show and a lot in between. Are you ready? You ready to dig in? You know what? I'm ready. I'm on my phone because my computer decided to break a couple days ago, but as we say here, the show must go on we have a big show let's get right into it yeah so just so people are aware we've got kind of some of our normal segments we've been doing over the past couple of weeks centering on free agency the draft that sort of thing like i said we've got some other announcements at the end of the show but we wanted to start the show kick the show off with a special guest former Bengals linebacker adrian ross is joining us uh adrian how you doing man We're we're doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, For those who may be on the younger end of the spectrum, Adrian Ross played for the Cincinnati Bengals for six for six seasons, nineteen ninety eight through two thousand three. So he's got a good grasp of the team, the way they operate, and has been kind of in. He was in a uh, transitional period of the team. We'll talk about that in just a second. But you know, you had you had a really interesting career, Adrian, and I I wanted uh, to kind of kick off the interview with that. You know, you were an undrafted free agent out of Colorado State. You made the, you made the Bengals team, and then you climbed your way into being a starting uh, starting linebacker for the team. Talk about that a little bit. Your experiences with the club and kind of your ascension to a, a large role player, especially towards the end of your your career. Oh yeah, you know, uh, man, funny time is time is flown by, boy. <laughs> Back to nineteen ninety eight, come out of Colorado State. Um, uh, you know, the thing for me, I, uh, Colorado State moved me to defensive end. I was really a linebacker. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I came in, I was, I got to exhibit, uh, my pass skills. And, you know, one thing with, um, Dick LeBeau being the defensive coordinator, um, you know, coming with that exotic three, three, four, coming with the blitz and the zone blitz and everything, that was, that was something that I, as a linebacker, you know, I think linebackers, you just, Love, love to be able to have a defensive coordinator like that, and you know that's how I ended up being in Cincinnati and uh, coming in because of the defensive end background. I think it kind of pegged me when I came in as I I had I was labeled as tweener, you know, somebody that you know they they tried to say was a defensive end that has to be taught how to play linebacker when really that wasn't me. I was really have a high football IQ. And I knew how to play linebacker. Um, but, um, you know, I came in and, 
linebackers, you know, uh, first round pick, you know, two that year to deal with Spikes and Brian Simmons, third round pick of Steve Foley, and then mm-hmm. the year before uh, Bernard Wilson in the first round and Canoe Curtis. Uh, then, you know, then we have the OG James James Francis. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, needless to say, me coming as a free agent, I got there and I was like, whoa, like, wait a minute. <laughs> There's too many guys here. <laughs> played under Dick LeBeau for most of your Bengals career. And when Dick LeBeau was with the Bengals, the Bengals were not very good, unfortunately. It was the tail end of that dreaded 90s period. And then you played one season under Marvin Lewis. There's been a lot of, not recently, but over the past couple months, a lot of comments about, you know, from former Bengals like Solomon Wilcox and like Carson Palmer about what the perception of that organization is and the situation that they find themselves in now. Just from your experience with the organization, what are your thoughts on what the, what the public perception is about the Bengals organization? And from your point of view, is there much truth in how much negativity is there? Or do you think a lot of it is more or less uh, overblown from your experiences of dealing with the organization? Uh, I, I think a lot of it's a combination. Um, you know, like if we go back to, I mean, a lot of it is comparison to what other teams are doing. It's not necessarily a bad thing in itself when you look at it. So say someone like, I was, you know, I was only there, and at the end, I went to Pittsburgh. So I didn't get to view anything different until I left. Um, and you know, having a personal relationship with the Browns, um, you know, a lot of like most of the public, they don't really get to hear them or see them. And you know, they're they're great people, and I think that that's that's kind of one thing. I think that because nobody really ever, the public doesn't really get to hear them and get to hear their passion for people and their passion for football. And I think that that's kind of a missing piece that kind of makes it go, make the Bengals, you know, stay on the negative side. Um, you know, along with uh, losses, and especially during during that time period. But, uh, you know, the, 
the ownership, you know, they're, they're really good people. And, um, you, you know, I think that, um, when, like, say when LeBeau was there, you know, he was a player's coach, you know, having, having been a football for the number of years that, that he's been as a player and as a coach. And, um, I think when he took over, what I got to see even from Bruce Coslett to Dick LeBeau, you know, was uh, everybody liked the LeBeau and he, you know, was able to handpick a lot of the people, especially the DBs. I think, you know, when, when I look at the team and the makeup, I think they drafted the DB in the second round like every year during that time period. And um, <clears throat> what I saw happen was these veteran guys would come in and because of that public perception, they come to the Bengals and when they're, you know, a highly talented big contract free agent, they feel that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm arriving to the Bengals and I'm the guy now that's going to take over. And it's like, no, like we've got some guys here. <laughs> we've got some guys here. We've got some leaders here. And not, not that there was necessarily friction, but, you know, I think some of these free agents, um, here's the negative side of it for me when I look at it. If some of these free agents are put up kind of more on a pedestal than some of the the guys that have been there, you know, and they're not necessarily big big money guys, but it's like this outside guy is coming into the team, and we're gonna market and hype him up as as the guy. And I think that that that, that that's kind of um, you know that kind of is what the public um, gets to see because you know you're getting those those guys are coming from different teams that come from different organizations. And they're able to compare, and they're able to talk about, you know, what it, what it is and what it isn't. And um, so it was, it was. Um, I guess I'll say that it's it's a combination of both. You know, I think, I think, but the main thing I think is because people don't really see the ownership, and they get to hear from the ownership themselves. So it's just other people talking, and, it's, and I think it's the same thing that can kind of continues to have. Talking with well, that's good to know. Talking with Adrian Ross, former Bengals linebacker, here on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Played six seasons for the Cincinnati Bengals from 1998 to 2003. Didn't mean to cut you off there, Adrian, but um, we are. We also run a live chat uh, as we simultaneously stream the, the video and audio of this of this program. We've, I just want to let you know real quick before I get to my next question. We've got a couple people saying they used to dominate NFL 2K football with you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we had another guy ask if you still dye your hair in Bengal stripes. Um, I, I remember you did that towards the, the, the latter part of your career. Um, where I wanted to go next though, and you've kind of, you've kind of provided some nice segues to it, you know, and I think it's a testament to you and your talent as a player. You lasted through a couple of transitions, major transitions by the Cincinnati Bengals, especially coaching transitions. And I think where, you know, the biggest, it's kind of, if you want to chronicle the Bengals history, one of the biggest areas of it is when Marvin Lewis took over in 2003, you played for him in 03. You've talked about, you know, the perception that's out there of the Bengals. What, what did you notice start to change in terms of culture, in terms of maybe operational practices? Once Marvin Lewis got in there, a guy who had been outside of the organization, had won a Super Bowl with a division rival, etc. Oh, yeah, great. Um, 
I'll finish up what I could have said. I'm going to break something back on the last question, and then I'll go into that. Yeah. Um, you know, when you go back to, I forgot what year it was, but we came out, we started the season, we beat the defending Super Bowl champs, Baltimore Ravens. And at home, we come back, we beat the New England Patriots, who, you know, I tracked Bledsoe in the last play of the game, and then here comes Tom Brady, I think, the next week after they play the uh, play the Jets when Noel Lewis knocks them out. Mm-hmm. But I just say that to say that, you know, from all the negative perception, you know, it's like, you know, those are the defending Super Bowl champs and then the current champs, we sit there and beat. So, like, that's, that's how touchy that the NFL is, you know, even though we went and lost all those games. So, 03 comes in Mar- Mar- Marvin Lewis. And so what I always tell, what I've always told everybody is uh, Mar- Marvin did a marvelous job there. Um, and the, the difference was, what I liked was the change in the culture of the facilities. You know, so we had this, we, we went into this old, I mean, you know, I came in and we were in Synergy and on that turf and the turf burns. <laughs> you know, then we move into Paul Brown, and because we were the new team in Paul Brown, you never really thought that it was gonna, you know, year after year it was gonna stay the same because we moved in there. But the walls were blank, you know. So you have like year one of there, and you think, okay, you're, you know, you're new. Then you go the next year, and it's like there was nothing. So when Marvin got there, you know, he put up pictures on the wall of you know, of what you guys are actually doing, of who has been there, you know, now you can see Anthony Munoz, you know, all these, all, all these former players that, you know, this, 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 this organization has been here, has, has done things, they've gone to the Super Bowl, you know, at the stadium, um, putting, you know, putting the bangle stuff around, and, you know, like making it, making it be the jungle. Um, that was a, that was a major part as well as in the meeting room, you know, putting up visuals for you to see as a defense, you know, hey, here's here's what we want to be. You know, you're 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 a top ten defense, you're probably gonna be in the playoffs. You know, if you can win your division, you know, it was it was it was stuff like that that I felt that a lot of players um, were able to think about, you know, um, things 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 that uh, you were able to think about and you're able to see and you're able to see week in and week out. And just uh, holding holding players accountable, um, you know. I think he was probably I probably got to get the harder side of him a little bit more. <laughs> you know, he had to come in there and change the culture. Um, but yeah, that that along with the game plan. Not that the other staff, you know, wasn't. I mean, the game plans were down to the T. It was just um, it was just a little different in the approach. It was like here's the game plan, and here's how we're implementing it in practice. And it was kind of being told. And for a player like me, I could fully understand. So now I understood when this call is being called, this is what we're trying to accomplish versus, you know, we're going to go through and practice all these plays. And you guys know how to execute a play, but we don't necessarily know when and where and why it's being called, you know? Yeah. You yeah. talked about the past now about your playing days let's let's talk about more about the present and really the that you played that linebacker as a ball it's been a problem for the Bengals for the better part of a decade now and just in general the, the game has has seen a, a large change in favor of the passing team 
and that has honestly affected the roles of linebackers as well. Um, just compared to like your your playing days, how have you seen the position of linebacker evolved, and how have you seen the Bengals kind of fail to adapt to that to those times? With that in mind, how would you advise a team like the Bengals who have struggled to linebacker on the field? How would you suggest them to really change their fortune and bring in more quality linebackers? What do they What do they have to look for? What do they do, what do they need to do that they haven't been doing for so long to really make that just more of an asset in what is now the modern NFL? Yeah, um, that's funny you say that. You know, I look and I say, you know, like the kind of linebacker that I was, you know, is, is not really the – they don't really have those out there on the field right now. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of teams are liking to go nickel package. Um that was that was starting to be that way when Marvin when Marvin arrived. They they wanted to you know a lot of, of course all these teams want want the linebacker that can stay on the field on third down and still be out there to tackle. So I think that's that's been Cincinnati's problem is um, they've they've gone over on both sides. It's like they've had the Ray Malouzas. You know, who's like, you know, more of a linebacker like I was, the bigger guy, the big middle backer. Um, <clears throat> then you stay with him, but then you kind of keep him on the field too long. You know, but then they then they flip, and then the guys are too small. So it's, you know, I think they've been having a problem trying to find that 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 middle of the road, you know, size wise, to be able to stay out there on the field and cover because that division. I mean, especially different than my day. You know, you got to be able to stop the run. You know, um, maybe maybe on Bale is gone now, but you figure, you know, for however many years there, you had Pittsburgh, and you know, you have him coming in there with the run game, and they've just been having problems uh, stopping the run. You know, you had Burkett there, but uh, you know, you're you're rewarding the guy and he's getting contract and supposed to be a quality player, but you know, when's he gonna when's he gonna play? You know, like it's whether he's suspended or whether he's hurt. And I feel that, um, you know, for me, over the years, I've seen that be a problem is sticking with guys that are talented that aren't producing because either they can't play because of injury or they're suspended. So, but then the guys that are showing up every week, you know, they're the, they're the ones that aren't necessarily getting the contract. <laughs> or they're not getting the playing time. And so that's 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 something that I'll say that I that I've noticed. So for me, you know, I feel that that I don't know if they've ever they've ever answered, and like they've gotten that guy in the middle for that division that they're in, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball to be able to uh, solidify the defense. You know, and I think that that's 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 one of the main key key pieces I see in football. You know, almost like the quarterback. Everybody talks about the quarterback. Well, who's the quarterback on defense? You know? <laughs> yeah, yes. Exactly. And have you, have you been keeping up with, like, the draft, this current crop of draft prospects or any potential agent targets that you think would potentially fit the Bengals and would, would give them that you they need a linebacker? This year, like I normally do, uh, I mean, you know, like I, most of the time, I, you know, in college, I'm, you know, watching the teams with the better defense, and you know, pretty much every year, you know, it's like you can go to Alabama, 
Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Penn, Penn State. You know, you're looking for these uh, linebackers, but um, uh, I I have not um, this year. And you know, but talking about it, you know, I just saw the combine how the um, the kids from Clemson, you know, did all the running and jumping and all that stuff well. And that's what I'm talking about when we say this new age league. You know, it's like, do you, you know, like, okay, he's, he's light. You know, he's 225, 228, 230. Now, he can always gain weight, but it's like, those guys can do all that running, but can they stop the league? Can they put their shoulder in? Are they going to be healthy to be able to do that? When when you're looking at those guys, because I'm seeing that those are the guys that they're talking about, um, <laughs> excuse me, uh, um, that are, the tops on the chart, um, you know, obviously Chase, Chase Young, you know, for me, that's, that's a guy, you know, like from his, from his production, uh, not even this year, but last year, you know, when, um, he was playing for Bolsa, uh, you know, he's, he's right, he's right up, a guy like that, that, that I'd want him to be, not, not necessarily that he's a middle linebacker, but just who, Catching up with former Bengals linebacker Adrian Ross on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. It's been a, a fun interview, man. Thanks for spending so much time with us. We we, we love chatting with you here. Um, I, you know, we've talked about your playing days. We've talked about some some draft prospects and the in the linebacker position, the future of it. The, we talked about the coaching transitions as well. The team went, underwent a major transition from Marvin Lewis last year to Zach Taylor, overhauled the coaching staff, and they went 2-14. and 14. Um, They now hold high picks. They may be doing some different things in free agency, what we have yet to see. What, what do you think uh, – what are your impressions of this team and where they're heading? Um, do, you, do you see a little bit of, uh, you know – what Marvin Lewis was able to do in 03. Do you see some similarities in Zach Taylor, or is this just not really heading in the right direction? I think it was it was just too early for you know for me to be able to tell. Because I mean, you know, for some someone like as long as Marvin was there, and that and that uh, transition to come in there. Um, I mean, but you know, the the fall, you know, like the fall off with two games. Was, very surprising with um, with the talent that's out there. You know, I know AJ Green um, goes down, and um, you know he's a he's a monster. I mean, you know, could I be able to be out there practice and watch him? And you know, he just the sight to see in person. You know, he's like a gazelle. Um, so that 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 hurts. But you know, to me, they they shouldn't be where they're at. So that's a that's a concern for me, and um, um, so I. But it's too late for me to tell because you know I, I've been to, like kind of like you said, do some coaching changes and whatnot, and, and I know that um, I'm able to see firsthand on you know being able to get who you want there, and so I always feel that you know you got to give a coach some time to you know put in his system and to get his guys there. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you got to be able to compete now and, um, you know, with Geno Atkins and, you know, like we see these guys, like they've had high picks, um, that they have in the secondary, 
and um, you know, I feel that they should be doing um, doing much better than winning uh, two games. So uh, you know, don't know what it is, but I think it's too early for me to say that they're going in the wrong direction. But uh, this year's going to going to tell a lot. Yeah, and they've got the the top pick in the draft and a number of high picks. So um, you know, the quarterback change and. It's like, what do you do with that? Like, so, I mean, yeah. you know, now, because for me, how I look at things is, you know, I'm, like, we've seen the Jamarcus Russell, <laughs> you know, from coming from the same school. I'm not saying Burrow has, you know, has the same quality. I'm just saying that you've seen a guy come and have a, probably, you know, probably one of the greatest runs ever. But, you know, um, I'm always, I've, I've seen it being there, and it's like what I don't like is because someone's the first pick, that that means that they're the savior. And I've especially seen it there in Cincinnati, <laughs> you know, where it's like, this guy's the first pick, you know, and it's like, well, great, like, cool, like, come in here and help, but, like, this isn't the savior. <laughs> like, this, like, he's not, you know, he's not the answer to everything. <laughs> so <clears throat> that's that's what I don't want to happen with. Oh, okay, they're picking Burrow, and he's, he's he's the top guy to get, you know, or you know, or you trade trade it, and you know, try to try to try to build and get more guys, you know, like um, that's a which we haven't seen them ever really do, um, you know. But it's like, what <laughs> do you guys need more help or or what? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think Mixon is a. I mean, I think he's one of the top five running backs, you know. Um, but <laughs> you know, healthy, and then can you get the ball? Can you know? Can the offense move for you to be able to display your talent? You know, I think, I think, I think there's a lot of talent there. Obviously, health. You know, you can't. You know, coaches can't necessarily do anything with that. <clears throat> Yeah, they've, they've, they're hanging their hat on hopefully being healthy and obviously some of these high picks panning out, whether that is Joe Burrow or in the somewhat off chance that they make a trade and, and collect picks there. Adrian, this has been an absolute pleasure. Before we get you out of here, um, I know you've got something going on, but you, you may you may only tease us with it. Um, but if, if it is just a tease, we'd love to have you back to talk more about it. But if you've got a project in the works, we'd love to hear about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. I can tell you guys a little bit, you know, uh, been a lot of talk, and, you know, we've seen the NCAA come, and, you know, they're they're now saying players can use their name and likeness, and um, so, you know, I'm coming with a company that's going to um, kind of help players in college and even players, even, even athletes, you know, male and female, even before they get to college. And so, uh, you know, I look to be launching that here in the next few months. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely have to come back on and tell everybody about it. But, uh, you know, the, the game is changing. Mm-hmm. High school high school sports are changing. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be right there to be a part of the change. And hopefully the Bengals uh, win, win college this year be changing. <laughs> yes, I think it will. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's about all I can do. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I mean, on the Bengals front, yeah, yeah, on, on, 
yeah, on the on the Bengals front, it's hard for, it's hard for them to it's hard to foresee something lower than two wins on a season. But I guess stranger things have happened. But it sounds like an interesting project from what you can tell us when it is ready to launch or has been launched. Like I said, I'd love to have you back on and um, you know talk to us about that and obviously the progression of what you're doing. We'd love to hear more about that um, down the road if you're if you're willing and able. Definitely, I definitely will do that. Want to uh, give a shout out to Mike Holmes, you know, to out there and all the all the Cincinnati fans. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> Well, this this has been an absolute pleasure, and yeah, Mike Holbrook, one of our one of our listeners, linked us up, and um, thank you to him. But Adrian, it's been it's been a pleasure. Uh, we we'll have you on again soon, hopefully, and um, best of luck to you going forward. Hey, thank you, thank you, Nick. I appreciate that. All right, take care. Okay, Bye. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. That was former Bengals linebacker Adrian Ross. That was, John, that was uh, that was an absolute pleasure, man. Um, you know, I thought we'd get maybe 10 minutes or so out of him, and uh, that, uh, he just was giving us awesome answers. I, I loved it. Step on this because if people are looking at me like that, I look really anxious it's because I am, because there's a little bit of a lag on my phone. So if I step on this, toes, I apologize to Adrian a little bit, but you can tell definitely when we have guys in, which, which ones are passionate about talking about this, this stuff and which guys are just wanting to get off. But Adrian was definitely more of the former there. And we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, uh, appreciate his time, and hopefully we can get him back on. And again, uh, thanks to Adrian Ross, former Bengals linebacker from 98 to 03. Obviously has seen a lot with the organization, so uh, gave us quite a quite a, a cool insight into his playing days. And because he is a good friend of the show and has linked us up with a, a couple of interviews, hint, hint on the, new, on the announcement later, Mike Holbrook, who usually joins us via the Facebook chat, I, I think he is in there now. He is a realtor in the South and Central Florida air, area with United Realty Group. Um, again, Mike Holbrook, MikeGetYouMoving.com in the South and Central Florida area. Uh, Mike Get You Moving with over 20 years of real estate experience. And um, so he's a very knowledgeable guy in his field, but he's also a great guy who has helped us out on this show and has helped us uh, land quite a few interviews, both past, right now, tonight, and in the future. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. So thank you, Adrian Ross. 
Thank you, Mike Holbrook. Appreciate the introduction. Go check out MikeGetYouMoving.com if you are in the South or Central Florida area and you need some real estate advice, information, that sort of thing. Mike Holbrook will help you out. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. We just had an awesome time talking with former Bengals linebacker Adrian Ross. We hope you enjoyed that interview. If you were unable to join us live, you can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, on iHeartRadio. It's on Megaphone. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, and all of our content is on CincyJungle.com. Subscribe to our channels so you get notified when upcoming shows are, are coming up here and when we go live so you can join us live. Or if you're unable to, you also get notified when shows are posted to channels so you can download them. So, um, yeah, get the show how you can. Join us live when you can. We like to hear from you. John, I think it's time to, since we're now basically a week away, provided that the coronavirus doesn't stop free agency or something, um, I, I think it's time to talk a little bit about free agency. Now, when we've done this over the past couple of weeks, we've spotlighted you know potential Bengals targets, outside guys that could come in. Maybe they fit the mold from a financial perspective, a positional fit, that sort of thing. What we haven't really done is talk about the internal guys, the guys who are their own guys, who they usually focus on in free agency, and who you know, are set to hit the market. Maybe they want to resign them. Who knows? But I think we kind of want to run down. I'm going to let you take the lead on this a little bit. Um, but I think we kind of want to run down on some of the Bengals free agents, if not all of them, what we think they're going to do. I think you put a post up on this, by the way, on CincyJungle.com, a very comprehensive one, which was very well done. Um, but I, th I think we want to talk about what we think is going to happen with some of these internal guys, because that is a critical part to the Bengals free agency strategy. Yeah. And I think we can, we can start off with an easy one. We'll, we'll, we'll try to go down the line in terms of relevancy, uh, you know, how much they played last year and how much they made names to begin with. And there is no more prominent name than AJ Green, but I think the predicting what's going to happen to him is about as easy as predicting what the Bengals are going to do with the first overall pick. And that's franchise tagging. Like he's mm -hmm. the, the new deadline to place the franchise tag. Eve, um, like midnight, right before Monday, when like legal tampering begins with free agency period, and I think the Bengals are going to use all the time that they can to, you know, exhaust whatever energy they have in terms of negotiating a long-term deal. But it's like a foregone conclusion that the franchise tag is happening with AJ. Yeah, I think that, and the big question, John, um, the the big question here is what is that going to parlay into a long-term deal in either in general or is it going to parlay into a long-term deal almost right away i think they have until july to to get a a long-term deal done otherwise he has to play under the under the tag so do you think that this gets parlayed i i, I the franchise tag is a foregone conclusion and like it or not that's the best move that the Bengals can do right now because even if they do put him on the trade market they'll get something back for him uh of, of high value so there's that aspect, or they keep them on a one-year deal, get a productive veteran, hopefully that's healthy, for their rookie quarterback, or you keep one of the most productive Bengals players of all time on your team long-term, he hopefully retires a Bengal, that sort of thing. So 
franchise tag is the right move, however you want to look at it. But do you think this gets parlayed into a long-term deal? And if so, I mean, I would say probably no much longer than three years, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Like he's 32 this year, a three-year deal with him at 34, 35, but that expires. Um, there's been past contracts where guys will sign in their early 30s and then usually three years like the max with that. And you're right. Like this, the whole purpose of the franchise tag is to prolong this process of negotiating this long-term deal. And July 15th, I believe, is the official deadline. If they do not reach a deal by then, he's on a contract for just one year under the franchise tag. I think after they handled, you know, this whole situation throughout the season of putting their foot around saying we're not going to trade him, we won't be a bad franchise tag at all. But, like, they've stated, you know, at the Combine throughout the entire season into the offseason that he's going to be a Bengal in 2020. That's going to happen regardless of the future of the long-term deal or not because he'll be on the franchise tag. But it, it is smart to put him specifically on a one-year deal because they're, they're, they have to have – a a certain significant level of uncertainty whether he can stay healthy for however long his proposed ex- extension could be because he hasn't been on the field since the middle of 2018. He's up there in age, and you have to think that his production is naturally going to be declining rather than just increasing at this point because he has reached the peak of his career. So even in general, like the franchise tag makes a lot of sense, even if he wasn't you know going through all these health concerns. But you know they obviously value him extremely high, probably higher than any other team in the NFL at this point. And yeah, this is just a vehicle to assure that all, that 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 long-term deal does end up uh, coming to fruition. Yes, for those who are either joining us live or watch the YouTube video after the fact, I've got a list up of Bengals free agents, courtesy of Spotrack. So uh, we've got the list here. There are 19 guys, I think, by my count. Yeah, there's 19 guys here. So um, you know, they go how they're listed here is obviously for market value, etc. Darquez Denard, the other big name guy, I think coming up here, um, and and the other big point of discussion. Another, I, I hate to use the word frustrating in terms of the player and the situation, but a real kind of head scratcher because another guy who first round pick when he's played, he's played pretty well, especially well in the slot, not so much on the boundary. Um, but, you know, still capable, I would say, on the boundary, but definitely a slot guy. Maybe he overvalues himself. He seemed to have done so last year when he tested the market and came back to the Bengals on a one-year rental deal. Ended up starting the season on PUP, so he missed, you know, the first six games, but uh, ended up playing for him from there. So how do you see this playing out? There's been some rumors that basically they think that, that it's time to part ways but we thought that was the case last year and they got it back on a one-year deal. Exactly. And I think a lot of this communication from last year is kind of going into this year. Whereas uh, Denard wanted to test what his market was because he had aspirations of being more than just a slot cornerback. He wanted to, to sign a deal that would make him a paid boundary cornerback. And unfortunately his market was soiled because no one really you know saw him like that. And also because no one really knew that he had uh, a knee injury that needed a knee scope back in May that forced him to miss the first half of the season. So he, he, as well as he played for the Bengals last year, the Bengals still recognized that he missed seven games and they didn't get the full value of the one-year contract that they signed him to. And you're right, though. Like, he's one of the better, more underrated slot cornerbacks in the game right now. And if he just accepts his role as that, there can be some type of mutual agreement here for some type of a long-term deal. But, if, but the rumors are, you know, that they, they, they just see him as a slot guy and Dinner still has these aspirations of being something more 
So after going through this for a year and the fact that he didn't play a full year for them and the fact that there still seems to be some type of disconnect, it, it just feels natural that both sides are going to be looking in different directions. And that's exactly what uh, Paul Denner Jr. reported for The Athletic, how Dennard and his team are looking elsewhere, kind of like last year. And e- even if he, you know his his testing of the market doesn't go well, just like he did last year, it seems like the Bengals are just not going to be in that position where they would want to bring him back because apparently – like they want to completely revamp this cornerback group, and with you know how they feel about Dennard and how Dennard feels about them, it just might not be a match doesn't belong much much further. So let's deviate off of that real quick. We had a comment from somebody in the live chat, and uh, there's been some talk this week. Um, well, really, starting Wednesday, I think it was on Drake Kirkpatrick's Instagram. Uh, he put up a little on on his story. If you're social media savvy uh he put up a story and it among some pictures him working out and other things one of the pictures was him uh was of his locker his Bengals locker saying who wants some of this stuff um interesting to say the least there has been no news official news from the team that they are moving on from him trading him cutting him we think that's going to be the case but not definitive I guess, you know, do you think that the Bengals would part ways in one offseason with Denard and Kirkpatrick the same offseason? And how comfortable are you with that if that's the case? Um, until they sign another starter in for agency or draft someone, there has to be a little of discomfort, obviously, because uh, other than those two, you have William Jackson, who's got one year left on his deal and he hasn't lived up to expectations. Darius Phillips is intriguing, but you don't know what he is going to be on until the of a larger sample size as a starter. And then it's just BW Webb and a bunch of younger guys who just signed. So there's not a lot of stability in that room. And as much as, you know, you can dislike Drake or Patrick for all, for all the, you know, embarrassing stuff he does in the field, he does play pretty consistent for the most part. He just gets highlighted with a lot of bad plays. I think it makes sense at this point, you know, even with saying that though, to part ways with Kirkpatrick because you are saying a decent chunk of change that you can use in other areas and that you can even use to upgrade him at cornerback. And, you know, what happens with Dennard is still very much up in the air. I think it's more just cut a Kirkpatrick than just uh, let Dennard walk, even though that seems to be the writing on the walls right now. But, you know, because they signed both of those guys, Winston Rose and, and Tony Brown, at cornerback, because they seem to be very interested in the cornerback market, um, according to some reports, it does seem like they are ready to completely revamp the position and save a little money in the process. But, yeah, it would be – I don't know if, if, if unprecedented is the word, but it would be a stark change considering there's not a lot of stability in that position group anyways. Yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously if they're going to ship out two former first-round picks at the position and guys that were slated as their top – two of their top three corners to begin, the you know, as you were looking at things in the, in the summer, um, you know, uh, to ship both of them out a year later would be um, – would be uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that would be ideal. Uh, Brian Kramer does say um, that he heard uh, that Darquez Denard was on George Iloka's podcast recently, and he sounded a little more optimistic about returning to the Bengals. So, you know, maybe maybe Paul Daner and others don't have the full scoop, or maybe Denard is being a little bit more uh, diplomatic this time of year, as some players right. tend, tend to be. Uh, let's go on. We'll, we'll rapid fire some of these. Um, Tyler Eifert, though. 
another very similar situation to Darquez Denard, right? Um, Pro Bowl player at one point yep. in his career, uh, coming off of his, uh, I think it was his first full 16-game career, 16-game uh, season of his career. Uh, numbers were middle of the road for him in terms of production, but uh, I'd like to see him back. I don't – Unless it's something similar to what he signed this year, which I don't think he'll, he will be willing to do because he's done that a couple of times for the team already. Um, I think he's looking for something maybe a little bit more solid. He seems to like the Bengals, though. I, I, I just I don't see the two sides meeting, unfortunately. But that's a guy I would like to keep. There is so much. There are so many layers to this because it's almost like like the Bengals came into the scene expect probably Eifert to suffer another injury and expecting to have an easier process this time year of bringing him back because he managed to stay healthy for an entire 16-game schedule for the first time in his career, like he said. He was able to produce at a pretty high rate considering that he was reserved for most of the year and he didn't play you know, like more than 60 or 70% of the snaps per game. It's almost like you know, Eifert bet on himself as relative to the expectations of him you know, playing in certain seasons. And he, and he won. Like, he's going to have a more favorable market this year than he has in years past. And like you said, he's already been on two one-year deals with the Bengals at this point. He had, he and his agent at 29 years old have to be thinking to themselves, this is probably my last time I'm going to have any shot at a multi-year extension. And it's probably not the Bengals who are going to be offering me that because the Bengals have a history of seeing Eifert, you know, get injured early in the season and not live up to the value of, of his contract. And also, th- this tight end draft class is not very strong. And it's usually that relationship with the free agency class where teams are going to look at, you know, what free agents are available at certain positions that aren't necessarily strong draft. And those are the positions that end up getting in high demand in free agency and end up almost overpaying for some of those guys. So if Eifert is looking to break the bank relative to what he can expect, this is definitely the year for him to do it. And it's just not like the Bengals to really take a chance on him again and give him that multi extension, especially considering that they just signed C.J. Zoma to a starter's contract last year. They have him for two more years, and they would probably like Drew Sample to carve out a bigger role because they drafted him in the second round last year. So it's it's almost like it's just not meant to be any more than this. They, they don't really use the tight end position that much anyways in this offense, and they already have two guys that they want to use more. So it just seems like it, it's, it's a positive end of the relationship, but it does seem like the end of the relationship in general. Yeah. Uh, moving on a little bit, uh, kind of going quickly because I think you and I would probably agree on the next three names on this list. Kerry Wynn, defensive end, John Jerry, guard, and Leroy Reynolds. I, I, I think uh, maybe Reynolds comes back in some capacity, but I think overall those three guys are probably gone, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't like the whole linebacker position is going to get revamped, and I don't see why Reynolds would stick around, but definitely Wynn and Jerry, they were emergency signings. They're, Right, Jerry more than win in that case, but but like when played eleven snaps, he's coming back. Right. Uh, so let's let's go to vi- uh, vigil. Let's go to the linebackers again. You said an overhaul. So does it make sense then? I mean, they they talk. There's been rumblings of defense, defense, defense. Does it make sense if you get rid of your two two of your top three corners from last year's early, I guess early depth chart, uh, Kirkpatrick and Denard potentially, and then. You know, you, you keep you got rid of Preston Brown, and then you got Nick Vigil, and you let him walk. All of a sudden, you've got multiple holes at linebacker. I don't know. Does that make sense, or do you like? Do you think? Are you confident in what you saw towards the end of the year with Vigil to say, hey, you know what? Maybe he's making a little bit of strides. 
and uh, you know he's turning a corner. He is 27 though, so I don't know. That's the one variable because he played his best football of his entire NFL career towards the end of last season, and I I don't know if that was like the same effect with Jermaine Pratt, where just getting rid of Preston Brown on the field <laughs> just made Vigil Vigil that much better in comparison, but. That definitely opened the door for a potential one-year proved deal. And, you know, in comparing it to the cornerback position, like there is talent at the cornerback position that they could be moving on with and releasing in terms of Kirkpatrick and Dennard. There is no talent at the linebacker position, aside from, you know, Jermaine Pratt. So I, I, it's, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal when you, re, you, know, you release the guys that make up that position group if they just aren't good in general. I think, you know, a, a complete – positional overhaul has been overdue for some time, even if, you know, statistically and analytically, the position doesn't have that much value on the success of your defense and your team in general. But when it's, when it's been that bad, when it's been noticeably that weak for your defense, and it's one of the main reasons why your defense is one of the worst in the league, you, you should have no issue and there should be no harm with getting completely new bodies in there because, like, they're going to they're gonna go out of the way to get new bodies there. And it's hard for it to be any worse than it was this year. So... If they bring that vigil on a one-year deal, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't hate it. But it, as long as it doesn't assure him a starting spot, as long as it, you know they can get out of it easily if he doesn't you know, live up to snuff like Preston Brown did, that would be the only way of justifying it, I, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so could, we've only got a couple of other unrestricted free agents, and I think we can go a little faster with the restricted and exclusive rights free agents. Right. but. Um, the, the other two unrestricted here are Billings and Fedulum. Uh, Fedulum, I, I, I think, you know, special teams kind of captain a guy. I think he was, uh, was, wasn't he an alternate for the, the Pro Bowl as a special teams guy at one point? Um, has come in and made a couple of plays on defense. Just seems like a guy that if you give him, you know, a, a pretty decent contract, he should stick around. I think he's a Darren Simmons guy. They gave Darren Simmons a promotion this year after his unit did very well for the team, really the only unit who, that performed well last year as a whole. I think he stays probably for a reasonable contract, uh, Fedulum, that is. Do you agree? Absolutely. And, like, I, I don't I don't think you give Simmons that extra, you know, power, I guess, in, in his title and then have the special teams captain leave. I think bringing it back shouldn't be difficult at all considering he's just a backup safety but he definitely does have value as that special teams captain. He's reasons why that unit is, is always good and was the best unit in the league this year. And I also think it also goes beyond that. Like John Williams is only under contract for one more year. And you also have Brandon Wilson entering your restricted agency as well. So there's not a lot of long-term stability at the safety position in case you lose a guy like Williams, essentially, and you want some, you want a potential replacement to groom anyways. So even beyond the special teams, they might want, a guy who can replace him under contract for 2021. But, that, like, you know, Simmons is going to have input in that decision, and they shouldn't have any trouble bringing him back. Okay. So the other one, and kind of, again, one of the biggest questions on this team is Andrew Billings. Um, what, you know, he's only 24. Uh, he has shown signs of, I would say, slow improvement, marginal improvement in his career. Um Played decent last year, unfortunately. I mean, you saw him drop into coverage sometimes last year. Not <laughs> often, but it's kind of like, what the heck's going on here? So, um, uh, you know, I, part of me says, bring this guy back. He's young. He's showing a bit of improvement. Um, the other part of me says he's limited. 
and the defense wasn't great with him in there anyway. Um, so I'm a little torn on this one. I, I think, you know, it, he may get a decent deal somewhere else. Uh, so he may not remain with the team, but then again, you've got another hole on defense. Right. And you would think that the fact that them bringing back Josh Tupo, who's a restricted free agent, and they had no trouble bringing him back, you would think that would make the decision easier to just let Billions test the market. But we're going through this list, man, and like we're only coming to the conclusion that only, you know, one of these guys, aside from Green, is for sure coming back. Like, Dubin has talked about, like, like apparently they're negotiating contracts with some of their friends. You, you would think that they would have to bring some of them back. And you would look at what, mm-hmm. you know, who Billings is. I think he just turned 25, I think, last week. So still ex- extremely young for some guy entering for agency for the first time. You know, as now a three-year starter who first started his second year after he missed his entire first year, he has slowly improved. He has gradually improved into one of the more, you know, well-rounded run-defending nose tackles in the league. But then you think, okay, uh, Ron Anthony nose tackle doesn't have a lot of value in the NFL nowadays. And that's why his market isn't going to be that of, you know, pass-rushing defensive tackle that's going to make well north of $10 million a year. He might be in more in that 5 to $7 million range and might be in a three- to four-year length. And you would think, yeah, out of all of these guys, you know, who is you know, worthy of that multi-year deal, aside from a guy like Denark, who they might not bring back, Billing does make some sense. It, it just seems yeah. a little redundant. With, with bringing Tupo back, but you can do more things with Tupo. They've played him at multiple techniques box, whereas you, know, you can only play billions in the A-gap. So it may not be as redundant as that, but also the fact that he's that the fact that he's young, the fact that he's still ascending, the fact that, you know, you, you do need some depth of defense tackle because you know, of all the injuries that you had last year, it does make some sense to bring him back because of the overall profile that he has. It just depends on, you know, how much more confident are they in, in anointing Tupo as a starter. And the fact that you can only bring Tupo on, on a one-year deal unless you want to renegotiate that after he, he accepts his tender. So it makes sense for me to bring Billings back. It just depends on, you know, if his market is actually a lot more significant than we believe it is. Yeah. So let's move on to the restricted free agents. We can kind of go through these pretty quick because essentially the, the team can, you know, if they want to keep these guys, they can. Um, for the most part, right? I right. mean, it's it's uh, it's just the way they're they're set up. Brandon Wilson, the safety, who is also kick returner extraordinaire. John, I think I, I think you would agree with me. Probably, uh, he, they would keep him. Right, and the only question is have a tender the, that they place on them, so they right. can go a, a first round tender, which is I think around four or five million dollars for one year. A second round tender, which is about three. Or the original round tender, which is where they were drafted, or if they weren't drafted at all. I believe the second round tender is around three million, and I think they would value Wilson high enough to just place that on there, just given that salary. That's what they placed uh, Trey Hopkins last year, so that's like the standard for guys that they really value who are entering restricted free agency. Yeah, and I, I think the Bengals would probably uh, both in terms of the money um, and in their comfort zone. I think Wilson and Tupo. Uh, mm-hmm. Are probably guys that are maybe that second round tender. Is that is that what you would uh, probably guess that right. they would be set at? Yes, and like those are the two guys that you would have no issue, can you know, place bets on if these guys are being brought back or not. Because there are some of these guys that you would think, you know, maybe, maybe 
maybe don't bring those guys back. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So here's a here's a slew of it, and this goes into okay, are you going to bring these guys back for camp bodies and or practice squad that sort of thing? There's a there's a handful of corners. Tony McRae, Tory McTire, uh, and Greg Mabin are three corners that are set to be uh, restricted free agents. I, I don't really see, to be honest with you, maybe McRae. Um, he's kind of been floating around this he's team been here for longer. a little bit. Yeah, he's been floating around the team for a little bit. Maybe that's a guy they keep. Um, he's done some things in the preseason, but I mean, McTire and Mabin. I don't, I don't know that those guys really. No. Other, other than Camp Body, I don't think that those guys fill a role. So maybe. You know, uh, maybe if they want to do something light with them on the restricted free agency side, they could do that. But um, I don't see it. Uh, and then uh, let's go to let's go down to Niall Scott, a defensive tackle, and Javar Javarius Lehman, an offensive tackle. Um, maybe Niall Scott is a guy they they think about keeping around if they end up losing an Andrew Billings and they need some more depth at that position. Um, you know, he's an exclusive rights guy. So essentially he's there yeah. if they want him. Um, same with Javarius Lehman. So, um, you know, I, it, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. I, I would think they keep those guys maybe just as camp bodies or, or going into, you know, the spring summer months, they, they keep them cause they'll be cheap and they're, they're guys that they've, they've got. So um, I, I think they're, they're set there. Seathan Carter, an interesting one. Um, you know, a guy who's played a little H back. He's played tight end. He ended up catching his first touchdown last year uh, as as a pro. He's been a special teamer. Um, he is twenty six. I, I don't know, especially with Drew Sample, if they envision a bigger role for him. You've got Mason Shrek. Who knows what happens with Eifert? Um, I, I don't know. What do you What do you think about Seathan Carter here? I think he gets the original round tender, so it'll be extremely cheap. Yeah, and like the fa- the fact that he made the team last year says a lot about what they still believe in him as a special teamer. He got more snaps because of the injuries that they that they suffered there. It just seems like, especially if they release Eifert, they want three tight ends that they're comfortable with going into the draft in case they want to address that position as well. So he seems like a logical clue there. But also, I think we got to talk about the other two guys, Hardy Nickerson and Nash Redman. Like, That's, it seems yeah. like... It, it, it like I, I'm pretty comfortable in saying Nickerson is gone. It just seems like he's the <laughs> new. I, 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 I don't know if you want to call him Chris Chris uh, Chris Crocker or Andre Smith. It just seems like if there's going to be injury linebacker, he's just going to be the, the first guy they call. So it, it's almost like if, if they tender him, whatever, he's just a camp body. If they don't, I'll just expect him back in July. With Red, does seem like they still like what he does on the practice field. He's essentially the, off, the offensive version of Hardy Nickerson Jr. at this point. He's just a camp body. If they suffer injuries there, he maybe makes the roster, whatever. He's still the same person, so I would imagine they still feel the same way about him. They just place the original round tender on him, just get it over with. Well, well John, you got, we got to be we got to be diplomatic when we talk about Redmond because we know his father-in-law tends to tends to come after us um, a little bit. So, you know, <laughs> we, got, we got to be diplomatic there. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, from reports of who Redman is as a player, nasty, mean, sometimes plays after the whistle, um, just a real grinder guy, not the most athletic, but a, a guy with good size, just mean, tenacious in the run game. That seems like a, a Jim Turner guy. 
Um, it just seems like a guy. Here. That, that has to be. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, I, I now Redmond, if I remember correctly, his season last year, he was suspended for the first four games. And then I think he ended up on IR. Right. So um, it just, it never really came together. And he, he kind of had a chance last year to potentially see something with Billy Price struggling, Trey Hopkins moving, moving to center and Michael Jordan in and out of the lineup. So, I mean, there were, there were some chances there. Uh, if he if he could see the field, but um, I mean, I, I think they keep him. And I, I Nickerson may be a guy like you said. Maybe they don't tender him, or they tender him real low because if they, you know, he's a guy that they just seem to have on speed dial, and uh, he can come back at the drop of a hat. Redmond's a guy they like, and they want to keep grooming him. They need offensive line depth. Some people here are saying in the live chat that the Bengals keep putting out signals that they like where their offensive line is at at the moment. Um, I think we would disagree with that, but you know, uh, maybe, maybe Redmond is in that, in those plans. Maybe is uh, he's in those plans that going forward. Um, I don't know. I have no, I have no issue with Redmond being in camp. I just, as long as he's there, he has a legitimate chance to make in the roster for whatever reason. That's the only discomfort i think we both have with it as long as he's just there for death purposes in case somebody gets hurt it's whatever but it's the actual fear that we have that he makes the roster because he's made the past three or four at this point so it's always been the question yeah so let's let's do one other thing john because this will be part of free agency and these are internal guys basically the Bengals can negotiate trades up to a couple of days before the 18th and they can negotiate with their own guys before, you know, all that kind of stuff. They can negotiate with outside guys a couple of days before the 18th. And they can set up potential trades for guys before the 18th. So we talked about Drake Kirkpatrick. I think we, based on some things, he might be being shown the door here. You've got Andy Dalton. You've got Billy Price. Do you think that these guys are dealt around the first few days of free agency or up to free agency? Or do you think that these are guys that are maybe dealt around the draft or at all? I have to think that Dalton's probably the first guy to get traded and Kirkpatrick and Kirkpatrick and or Glenn are the first guy. To cut. And they'll probably cut if they can't trade Dalton, they'll probably cut him anyways, but that's just a matter of when, because the timeline on all that is very much up in the air because you have to remember Josh Rosen wasn't traded until, you know, literally like, you know, after Kyler Murray was drafted and with first overall picks. So that can go all the way to April. I, I think Billy Price is more in the lines of, you know, th they would like to keep him, they'd like to see what he can do is to, to compete for one of the guard spots. But like Cordy Glenn, if any team wants any draft pick, I think they would jump at that opportunity, especially with Glenn, because, you know, his reputation at this point is pretty soured. And there should be a reason why any team would want to trade draft picks for him. I, and, and maybe the same with Kirkpatrick, where they're just in the assumption that they just, they're just going to have to cut him because they're not going to get anything for him. And almost, I believe John Ross was almost in this consideration where there was some slight rumors where it's like they obviously want to keep him, they want to involve him to see what he can do year two in this offense. But again, if, if any team comes calling and gives them an offer they're willing to listen to, he could be in that discussion. So. It just seems like at this point, Kirkpatrick and Glenn are almost for sure going to get cut. There's just too many signs to point to that and not enough to go against it. And the market for Dalton apparently exists. It's more than just maybe this fourth or fifth round pick that we kind of assumed early on in this process. It's more in that second or third round range. And 
that's definitely going to be the starting point of, of those discussions. It's just a matter of if it gets too far down there and, and to what team Dahl wants to go to, because it's going to be a team that he has a, a chance of, you know, competing for that starting role, if not given the starting role immediately, like it would be potentially in a place like, like New England. So th- that seems to be happening. It's just a matter of what type of compensation they can get. And the fact of the matter is it's probably better than maybe what, what, what we would have predicted. Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if both of them will be dealt at free agency, but I think one of them will be, and I think it probably will be Dalton. There are teams that they get, they get trigger happy around this time of year. The bigger market teams, teams that want a, a name teams that want a premium position, they they'll get trigger happy and they'll make moves where you go, wow, I didn't, I didn't think you'd do that. Um, Now there's, there's obviously a chance that this doesn't happen, but, the good news is if the Bengals don't get capital for, you know, a Dalton or something at free agent at free at the onset of free agency, they can do so around the draft where teams tend to get a little, <laughs> a little crazy. Then, you know, you miss out on a position player that you wanted and all of a sudden, you know, you're willing to make a deal, maybe move some draft capital, that sort of thing. So I would not be surprised if a trade is announced towards the beginning a free agency for the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, I, you know, I, I also think they may wheel and deal to get more picks, especially if they go up to the draft with seven picks, uh, they're going to want more. And by the way, the compensatory picks were announced this year. Predictably, the Bengals did not get any for 2020. So they're sticking with those seven picks. And, uh, you know, I, I, if I tend to think that this team wants more than seven going into spring. So, um, you know, they'll try and get them next week or shortly after that, or they will probably do so around the draft. But that is the internal free agency roundup. We've done a number of free agent previews. John, I lied. I said that you were going to take the lead on that, but I realized that you were on your phone and that may have been um, a little bit, uh, a little bit of a challenge for you, by the way, uh, just not to put John on blast, but if there's a little bit of cutouts or whatever in the audio, John is on his phone this week. So, um, you know, there may be a little bit of that in the audio recording. We apologize. Temporary thing is just, just in case, just in case I'm throwing out that disclaimer, but regardless, we're happy to have him with us. We were happy to have Adrian Ross with us, joining us earlier in the program. We're happy to have you joining us, whether it's live or after the fact, on this program, get the show on any number of audio platforms or YouTube, subscribe to our channels, try and join us live if you can, or download the show after the fact on any one of those different platforms that we offer the program on. And of course, keep it to cincyjungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, all of that good stuff. It's going to be a busy time of the year over the next really two months. So month and a half or so. So you're going to want to keep it to cincyjungle.com for all of those updates. John, let's drop the mic. Where do you want to go this this week as we get out of here? Uh, there's a lot of serious issues, I guess, we can talk about. So I'll kind of keep it light. I was <laughs> talking with our, our old site manager, Rebecca Tobak, who is now on to bigger and better things. And, yeah, and she was, like, she was talking about, like, the Bengals don't have a, a compensatory picks for the first time, what seems like a long time. And it got me thinking, well, there's, there's – a good reason for that, because last year, the biggest contract that, that they signed were, you know, Preston Brown and Bobby Hart for three years and a lot of money, a lot more money than they should have. And the guys that left were what, like Tyler Croft, Cedric Oboe, Jake Fisher. 
It's almost it's almost like looking back at that offseason, it's like they knew that the guys that the, the, if they didn't sign any of those reasons, they would have signed barely vet minimum, very small deals that would have maybe given them maybe like a couple seventh round compensatory picks. And it's almost like they just decided we're not going to get anything in return for these guys. So we're just going to sign them to multi-year deals to see what we can get from them. Because if, it, if they had done nothing, they still might have not gotten any compensatory picks. That's how bad last year's free agency was. And I didn't really realize it until now when I had that discussion with Rebecca Tilbach. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those guys ended up going elsewhere, getting paid and really not doing anything. You know, Croft got hurt for the Bills. Uh, you know, a boy he is a boy he and uh, so on and so forth. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, you know, and um, it's we, we've been hearing that the Bengals are going to do more in free agency, outside free agency, that sort of thing. We'll see if that actually happens. Uh, I got a couple of things to as we drop the mic and get out of here, John. Um, in case you can't tell, I'm wearing my my three three eleven hat. Three eleven. It's we're recording on three eleven, and uh, so I got to give props to the band three eleven. And yes, he does. John does have uh, the skeleton with him. We've been getting. I was a lot seeing of some comments. comments. I was seeing yeah. some comments. He's the yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, he's there. Uh, he's at Randall, right? Uh, he is there. Randall's Randall is there. Still alive. Yep. So when John he's gets been, the, he's not been infected by the coronavirus yet. <laughs> Uh, so when John gets his, the more panoramic view of his, uh, computer back, he will, I'm sure, make sure that Randall is definitely prominently profiled on the show as usual. The other thing I mentioned that Mike Holbrook, the listener who has been feeding me a lot of different, uh, by the way, not only is Mike a real estate agent and broker down in, uh, South and Central Florida area. He's a former radio DJ, radio guy in Cincinnati. So that this is how he gets, this is how he has received some of these leads and whatnot um, and, and connections. These guys from the Bengals know him. Uh, and so that's why he's been able to, to connect us with some of these guys. So uh, again, our thanks to Mike, MikeKitchenMoving.com. Go check it out if you're in the Florida area and you need some real estate advice. But Along with introducing us to Adrian Ross and some other guys too uh, that we're trying to nail down. On Wednesday, I I had a text message exchange, John. And this text message exchange was from a former Bengals player who, let's just say he famously familiarized everybody with a specific dance in the late 1980s, a touchdown celebration. So as of now, we are set to have Mr. Ricky Woods on the program, not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, which I believe is the 25th. So about two weeks from today, we'll be having Ricky Woods as of now, tentatively, but he has agreed to come on to the show. So Ricky Woods will be on this program and I'm probably going to fanboy out, truth be told, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Next week, though, 
aside from having Icky Woods on the program, next week we will have Andre Parada on the program. Now, Andre Parada is kind of a tw- Bengals Twitter favorite. For those of you who don't, who may not be familiar with him, he's very knowledgeable. He's very personable. He is kind of a financial expert when it comes to Bengal to contracts, NFL contracts, the salary cap. He is incredibly knowledgeable, and I think I, I kind of thought, what better time to get him on the program and his insights than at the onset of free agency? So we got Andre Parada next week, and tentatively Icky Woods the the week after that. And I'm pretty excited, John. I'm, I am too. He's always. I remember last time we had him on, we expected like 15 minutes. He was he was he talked for like 35 minutes, and none of it was useless information. So he's. Definitely got a full mind of stuff that everyone needs to listen to, especially around this time of year. Yeah. Yep. Get your – was it get your cold cuts? Um, so, Icky Woods joining oh, us. Also, yeah, 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 like Icky too. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Icky, Icky Woods too. I, like, yeah. I'll, I'll, try to, I'll, try, I'll try to reel you and calm me down a little bit. So, that'll yeah, be my purpose of that interview. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're excited about that, and um, we hope you will enjoy that. It's been a crazy few weeks for our, our program in a, a great couple of weeks. Um, we had Solomon Wilcots on the program recently. We had Adrian Ross, former Bengals uh, linebacker, on this week's program joining us. What an awesome interview that was. Uh, we've got Andre Parada next week. We've got Icky Woods the week after that. We're set up with a lot of guys, and uh, we're, we're very, very excited about the, the direction of the show, and we're going to get you a lot of different stuff as free agency unfolds, as the draft unfolds. So stick with us. We appreciate it. For John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We'll see you next time. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.